people always have ideas. They have a lot of ideas. But then if you want to be want to be successful, those ideas need to be connected to something. Otherwise, you just end up being all over the place and nothing works. Welcome to another episode of A Slice of SaaS. I'm your host, Andreas Kongstad, and today we are talking about the power of an ideal customer profile with Jared from Vino. Vino is a sales intelligence prospecting and account insights platform, and Jero is leading its revenue operations. He'll be sharing his insights on how to identify your ICP based on retention rates, how to align your entire organization around it, and why it is so crucial for sustainable growth. So if you're looking to refine your sales strategy, improve customer satisfaction, and drive growth, this episode is definitely one you do not want to miss. So without further ado, let's dive in. So Jara, I know you have a very strong opinion about using and sticking to ICPs as a part of your overall strategy. So what was the pivotal moment for you when you realized the importance of having an ICP and actually, you know, staying with it? Yeah, I don't know if there's any like single moment in time when I when I realized that. But my background is in in customer success. I've been working with uh, with 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 CS from well 2015 basically, um, and 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 so I have a lot of experience in uh, in, in in that field. Um, but maybe maybe the first time when I started to think about the ICP was when I when I moved to the, the operations role and then I started to look the thing uh, many things from the bird's eye perspective and and then seeing what the new business organization is doing and, and what the what marketing is doing and, and like realizing that actually makes sense that we're actually working towards the same goal. I guess that 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 covers it quite well. So moving from pure CS role to, to that now operations role. Mm. And like before we kind of keep on going here. So for those who are not familiar with uh, an ICP, uh, I do imagine that some might not be. So how would you describe what an ICP is? Yeah, so the, the ICP stands for Ideal Customer Profile. For me, and I, again, this is coming from a SaaS background, but for me, ICP is a set of companies where you can have over 100% uh, net retention, basically. Uh, so in the, in the simplest form, that's, that's how I uh, look at that. So looking at net retention, like if we're thinking about, okay, so how do you find your ICP? Because I get that would uh, be a big part of this is knowing like who actually is the customers you're trying to um, to sell to. And you mentioned retention. So that's quite interesting. That was not what I thought you were going to say. So why that specific metric? No, well, because like, there's a, again, I have, I'm, I'm a data guy. I want to be able to justify uh, actions uh, with, with data. But then you can look at, for example, conversion numbers from from new business and look, okay, so these are the set of companies that are, you know, our conversion rates are good. Uh, maybe, maybe, maybe that's our ICP. But then, when you start crunching down the retention numbers and looking at the okay, which segments we have at the best retention? Again, if you are working with 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 SaaS business, the lifeline of the growth in the end is the ability to have over hundred percent net retention. That because that will be the, the 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 solution for the hyper growth uh, everyone is after so actually looking at from that perspective uh, makes a lot of sense so it's not where it's the easiest to sell but it's actually the set of companies that will be the happiest with you where you are the best fit for their problem and they want to actually renew and grow with you 
I think that's actually really good because, I mean, as you said, in the end, retention is like if you can keep your retention on a high level, keeping your customers happy, the one you work really hard to get in the first place, I think you are in a really good place. So I think it's it's just a very interesting way to see it. So yeah, I really like that. So basically, if I wanted to know my ICP, so I just take a list of customers, I, I look at, I'm expecting you to say a little bit more around this, but I would have a list, I look at the retention rate, and we just pick the top ones. And that would be the IPCP. Is that what you mean here? Or I guess we have a little bit more work to do before we find, besides retention, what else would you be looking at to kind of build your specific ICP? Yeah, so, well, of course, you need to, you need to have the, 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 the data to be able to, like, let's say you have, let's say you have a thousand customers and then you know the retention of those thousand customers. But then you need to have um, some sort of way of slicing and dicing those thousand customers into smaller pieces and looking at the retention uh, from from those smaller segments, and you know it can be it can be the firmographic data like you know what's the industry, what's the size. Of course, typically bigger like the retention is better in bigger companies. Uh, I mean, in general, in SaaS industry, but it also might be uh, what kind of products uh, they have bought from you. So you know some product lines might be stickier than others, and and just kind of like slicing and dicing it as long as you find the segments uh, where you have that good retention. And then you can actually, you can end up with, with <clears throat> multiple different segments, but that's fine. And, and, and then in a sense, what you want to do is, I know what is good from retention perspective. Then you take that into an ICP and go to your uh, marketing team and, and, and a new business team. Like I wanna have a more, more, deep, more of these because these perform well throughout the whole customer life cycle. So I know this is a very difficult question to answer, but because you know all our companies are different, but from a SaaS perspective, thinking B2B SaaS, you're targeting kind of medium-sized businesses, like what would be a good retention rate there, like in, in the beginning? <laughs> yeah, well, that's yeah, that's uh, that is a difficult. I, I think it, um, I, I think it differs from from company to company. But then, if you look at the SMB segment, uh, it's really hard to have significantly higher than hundred percent retention numbers numbers there with the smaller companies. Like, you know, they are, you know, the companies in that segment they go bankrupt and they get acquired and all that so there's a lot of uh, a lot of changes in that target group so but I, there i would say you know anything anything over over 80 is a good starting point uh, but then when you move towards like mid market large in talking about enterprise like, I, I think there you 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 should be you should be over the 100 100% limit to to really identify the ones that are being successful with and then on the other hand like if you can't find the segment uh, that is over with over 100% retention then of course you pick the ones that are better than what you have in there and of course they're like for example, like the, the retention as a, as a concept, I, I, like, I see that there's, a, there's this triangle of things that, that affect the retention. So one thing is the ICP, so do you have a good fit prospects? The second thing is that the product, how well does your product perform? Does it do what it promises to do? And then the third one is the process side of things. Uh, and then I see that from all the way from like new business to CS onboarding and and, and, and all that. Uh, so you can actually try, like it doesn't even matter what your retention number is today, but through those three things, you can improve it. 
and and then but at the same time it's also important because you can't be uh, something for everyone. There is some segment that your product is designed to and where it performs better than compared to the other ones. It's yeah, a bit long no. answer, but um, no, 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 it, it's, it's, it's really great. And I mean, I do believe as well that like being able to stick with your ICP, like it's going to serve you so well, especially like, you know, that coming from a customer success background that sales might be a little bit too over excited sometimes to close a little bit too much stuff especially you know targets are closing in on the month and the quarter and becomes less and less strict in terms of uh, what you are closing and not closing so looking at that like how do you make sure that the sales team is actually you know staying within the icp uh, and not closing too much other stuff that they maybe shouldn't that end up costing you a lot of money with churn and you know a struggling cs team that can't really do what they set up to do and maybe even having higher churn of employees because they're unhappy. Very difficult customers to deal with. I actually have spent I have spent years trying to use the the, 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 the soft ways towards the sales teams and like explaining the importance and using numbers and like we need to focus on this if we want to grow going forward and if we want to have good retention and this is good fit for us and this is not a good fit for us and all that. But like, all of that didn't really have any impact. The sales team wants to hit their number. But that, and in all honesty, that's what they are supposed to do. They want to hit their number. But then I realized that it's about defining what's counted to the number. So it's all about aligning the comp plans uh, for the AEs, for the managers that what is counted towards their number, their quota, uh, is actually the companies within your ICP. And I guess one like a quite central metric there would be the retention that we talked about before, that that would be central to that compensation, or do you agree? No, and well, I don't think in, 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 in new business team what the retention ends up being. I don't think that's a criteria for them. It's rather... You know the you know you're on the retention numbers, uh, and then you know that okay, uh, this is what defines companies in that segment where the retention is good, uh, and it can be that okay, companies that are with more than this much uh, in in terms of revenue working in this industry, for example, and and then you take that to the new business in that okay, companies from this bracket, you can you can close, or then if you for SaaS companies like all the SaaS companies. Um, and SaaS products, they integrate with another uh, SaaS product. So then most likely your ICP is companies using a certain uh, tech stack where your product can integrate because no one wants to have a standalone solution anymore. And then again, you take that to the sales and okay, you know, we want to get, cust- we want to get, get customers from companies that use these technologies. Nothing else matters. So say that I, di- I did close something that wasn't within the, the ICP that you've defined. What would be the thing then? Would it be like, no, this is the client as a deal? Or what would be the kind of structural thing that you would have in place there to uh, filter those out? I just wouldn't pay commission out of those. That will direct the, 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 the sales overnight. Because yeah, salespeople, no. <laughs> they are there to get new customers and then and, and get commissions. And then if you don't pay them commissions from closing something, they won't close it. They won't do it because, you know, they will don't work for free. So just, again, what I said previously, it's just about aligning the, the commission plans so that the outcome 
is according to the ICP. Have you always done it like that? Or that was something you mentioned that it was, uh, you tried soft ways. So like when would that, when did that shift happen that you went more into, well, you don't get paid if you don't close within the ICP? I think we, I think I did we did that maybe three years ago, something mm-hmm. like that. So I, I, sp- I did spend some time with the softwares first, um, but it didn't work out. But I said, I said, well, once we, once we uh, changed the, the, the commission plan structure, you know, things changed overnight, basically. Was it easy to change it or was it a lot of pushback? I would imagine if I'm like, again, I have a background in sales. I know like very opinionated. If you touch my commission, I, I might have a very strong opinion about that. So was it a lot of change management that needed to happen there or was it just straightforward? I think we were afraid in, the, in that the, at the management level before the change, what will the, how, how big of a pushback will get from the sales team and, you know, will the... Will the best reps resign and and, and 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 all that? But then what we what we did was we made sure that the the on target earnings didn't really change for the AEs. They actually we actually increased it a bit, and and then we spent quite a lot of time going that through with the AEs that yes, there's gonna be a change, but the change will actually be good for you. You'll actually get a bit more commission. So, because again, what salespeople uh, usually are, are, are after are is the, is the, you know, they want to hit their number, they want to get the commissions. So we just, you know, made sure that the, the, all of our AEs understood that the, the change is actually going to be beneficial for them. So in the end, we didn't really get any pushback from, from that. Yeah, no, that's because, uh, yeah, I would believe that that would definitely be my concern as well. Like uh, what's, what's going to happen. So, so after you did that change, like what, like, did you see any kind of a short, long-term impact in terms of maybe, you know, customer being happier, churn management and less time wasted or happier team or like, was there some kind of distinct things that you saw there uh, after making the change? Um, well, there's a couple of, couple of things like in the very short term, what we saw was, uh, of course, that, you know, the, the, the proportion of our new business sales going towards our ICP that, you know, went nearly 100% over, over a couple of months. Um, then at the same time, our, our ACVs grew because, again, we were talking with companies that were better fit for us, you know, better use cases, more value usually leads to higher ACV as well. And then gradually, because again, we had more and more customers that actually belonged to our ICP. We started to see the you know steady improvement of the retention numbers as well. Those were the things that that we we saw. So, in terms of uh, all this with the ICP, uh, you know, finding your ideal customer and uh, you know like having kind of a sustainable growth. So you work in revenue operations. Um, so, what do you think revenue operations' role is in in all this? I think the, the, the most important uh, job of revenue operations is to align the whole company and the different departments to work towards that same ICP. So basically break, break silos because it's, it's very easy to end up in a situation where you have, uh, you have your CS team doing something, your new, new business team is just trying to hit their number regardless of how they hit it. Um, marketing is just focused on hitting their marketing qualified lead number, uh, not thinking too much about what it actually generates. 
you know tech team developing the product uh, from from some angle so just like ensuring that everyone shares the same view on what are our target customers uh, and then that every everyone actually works towards the same goal which should be to increase the revenue from that segment on a company level so how do you do that because that's easier said than done like they're very different personalities different teams like generally on a, on a very specific level they would have different things that they're doing on a day-to-day basis so like how how do you actually go about doing that like do you have some systems practices stuff that you can share no, I, I think it, it requires a lot of cross-functional discussions. So I, I, I spend a lot of time with our with our marketing team. I spend a lot of time with our CS team, with our new business team, but also with our product teams. Uh, and you have always these, you know, different projects or initiatives going on. And I always try to be uh, included in those uh, so that uh, we can connect those to the thing that we are actually doing and ensuring that we connect those to the, the, the ICP and the, the company level target. So it just requires a lot of lot of discussion and, 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 and ensuring that everything is connected, serving that uh, ICP segment. Yeah, a lot of discussions, a lot of communication going on. So again, like it's uh, like how, how do you kind of um, make sure you're on top of it then? Because you know, you have those discussions, uh, and then you also need some actions and some things implemented based on that. So, how do you kind of work with the kind of execution bit of uh, of it after those meetings and communications you've had? Is that enough? Maybe it is, or is there something else behind it as well? No, we then of course we we do have we do have a lot of lot of metrics uh, where we can see the impact of of those actions. For example, in the in the product product side, we have different metrics on the product usage that reflect the use of our solution in the ICP segment. And then at the same time, in in, in marketing, we have a, a certain set of criteria that uh, what is counted as a marketing qualified lead, and and then we can actually track their revenue all the way to closed deal. Uh, and then we focus only on those things that are relevant. And then of course, my my job to ensure that. Uh, all the departments are measured measured based upon those things. And again, if they are measured uh, based on those things, those are the things that they will focus on. So it's not really it's not really more complicated that, but it's just setting the KPIs uh, in a way that they they support the end goal, and that just need to work throughout the whole organization. Then, of course, like we use we use HubSpot. Everyone can can see. All the all the data, so we have a lot of dashboards where everyone at any time can see how we are performing in regards of those those metrics. Same goes uh, for our retention numbers, so those are visible to to everyone, so everyone can see the progress and and basically see it in real life to that right? how does that uh, core segment perform compared to some other segments, for example. Like because revenue operations is still a fairly new term, right? In uh, in the Nordics, you don't see that many like people with that title. Like the whole operations bit is, I think, quite new in a lot of companies. Like, do you think everyone should have some kind of a rev ops department, or like is there some places where you definitely should not have it, or is this a certain size you think uh, this might be a consideration? This kind this comes from the the, the, the SaaS background, uh, but especially with the SaaS companies, I, I do think everyone should have a revenue operations. Uh, it doesn't necessarily have to be a team, but someone whose job is to ensure that 
cross-functional uh, cooperation uh, in the in the company. So I think I, I definitely do believe in that. Uh, then you know maybe if your team is two two founders founders and a developer, you don't need that. But when you start to add uh, AEs and then and CS person uh, people, uh, that becomes becomes valuable. Then at the same time, like the sales tech stack, all of those things quite easily go under the umbrella. Uh, of, of 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 revenue operations, uh, so that's usually something that frees time from sales and and, and CS as well, which is which is quite handy. But then at the same time, RevOps people they're not uh, CRM admins, but they can take the load uh, from there to to some extent uh, as well. Yeah, definitely. Be like it's. Uh, I spoke with another um, another who is working with uh, RevOps as well. Like his own personal title, he gave himself was like the the cleanup guy <laughs> a little bit. Uh, you said that, that that's not like, so what would you call yourself? Like, would you agree that RevOps is largely like a cleanup guy or is there a lot of different, like based on what you said there, I would imagine there's a lot of different things uh, as well that you would say uh, it would entail. Yeah, I, yeah, cleanup, cleanup might work. I, I feel that I'm the nagger uh, in a sense <laughs> where every other comment that I make is, is, is about like, how does that reflect on? Uh, what we are, what we are actually doing, because like the thing is that like people always have ideas, they have, and they have a lot of ideas. But then, if you want to be, want to be successful, those ideas need to be connected to something. Uh, otherwise, you just end up being all over the place, and nothing works. But just being able to to pick pick the the the, the ideas uh, that you want to actually work on, and then making sure that they actually um, contribute to the, the the actual thing that we are doing. Um, but the act leaner, nagger, uh, <laughs> I don't know how, how positive terms those are, but uh, that's that's what it is. But then at the same time, it's a lot about just, you know, being on top of things uh, and, and then giving insights and having understanding about the data, knowing where we are actually doing instead of basing decisions on gut feel. Yeah, and I would also say I don't like I I do have in my experience at least like a lot of companies they really they focus a lot on sales they grow really fast all of a sudden they have a big sales team they have a marketing team but they never really spend any time on the organization so everything starts being really messy all the data is unreliable so I really think it is important to have someone who is I guess like the parent I don't know just making sure that things are aligned things is working efficiently so you don't have a ton of friction and, and frustration because I do believe that kind of tech debt really adds up with time and can actually cost you a lot of money, but you don't see it. That's the thing, I think. So that's why you might not do it because you don't really see the actual effect. It's there, but it's not as apparent as we closed a new deal or something like that. Yeah, and you don't see it before it comes an actual problem that starts impacting the, the your capability of doing business. And often that's already too late, and then you have to spend tons and tons of time fixing that. So, but I, I agree with you there. Mm. So, on a little bit of a different topics, then. So, uh, a question that we always ask in uh, in in the end. So. What's a learning or insight that has significantly changed your perspective on business and or life? Yeah, that's a hard one. Um, it is, right? Yeah. Big one. 
I don't know if this if this significantly um, changed anything, but one thing that that I have tried to kept with me over the years uh, has been the, the 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 fact that someone once told me that time for you know different opinions and discussion is before the decision making. But once the decision has been made, it doesn't really matter what your original opinion or standing uh, in regards of that was. But once the decision has been made. You better work your ass off trying to achieve uh, whatever was decided, and I think that works quite well in 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 business and in general life. Yeah, I think that's such an important point. It's yeah, that's like you have that one rower who is just going the opposite way because yeah. they are not really sold in and bought in, and that's it's. I think it's very toxic for an organization. If you end up with that, you have a big problem. So yeah, I love that one. So. Where can people go if they want to find more about you or maybe having a chat with you about revenue operations or, you know, Vino or anything else? Um, LinkedIn, LinkedIn, LinkedIn. Uh, that's the, that's the place. So yeah, just drop a message and, and LinkedIn, I'll, I'll reply. Awesome. Jerry. Well, it was an absolute pleasure speaking with you today. Very interesting conversation. So thank you very much for, uh, for joining. Yeah, thanks for the invite. It was a pleasure. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of A Slice of SaaS. I really hope you found the conversation about ideal customer profiles to be interesting and valuable. If you enjoyed the episode, please consider giving us a five-star rating. It really helps us out and it also helps more people find this podcast. Your support is greatly appreciated.